first nine verses. So it's Ezekiel 33, verses 1 to 9. Let's turn our attention to the word. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, If I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land, take a man from among them and make him their watchman. And if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die of his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. Nonetheless, this 
was his commission. There are famous instances in history where watchmen have failed to warn. We're coming up on one of those this week. Some of, some of you, how many of you know what December 7th, 1941 is? Well, that's most of you. Yep. <clears throat> some of you have not heard of Pearl Harbor Day. Uh, famously, uh, the Japanese sneak attack on Pearl Harbor in Hawaii, December 7, 1941, which was there was a complete failure to apprehend whether scholars debate whether purposely or or uh, just by uh, accident to notice that the whole Japanese Navy was descending in a secret secret attack on our uh, most advanced naval base in the Pacific that started us into World War II. It was a, uh, as the president said in his speech, a day that will live in infamy. And uh, I, I grew, when I grew up, I, it, was a, it was a date that was imprinted in our minds because the remnants of that great war was still fresh in everybody's mind. It really shaped uh, the generations. It, it still is, I believe, in our uniform code of military justice that anyone who falls asleep on watch, whether in the Navy, their Air Force, Marines, Army, uh, is subject to the death penalty. It is such a serious obligation to stand watch and to be observant of uh, dangers that are impending. Um, and we see that in the, the practical world, and this is certainly true in the spiritual realm, and that's why this is re-spoken and reiterated to Ezekiel. We have completed this long, difficult sections of God's condemnation of the surrounding nations of Judah, now we return to the subject at hand, which is the impending judgment that is coming upon Judah because of her idolatrous rebellion <coughs> against God. And Ezekiel is told, as the word of the Lord comes to him, some man speak to your people and say to them. And I, again, I think when he spoke prophetically, he was still speaking. And even in this very chapter, you see that that, that his whole speech, I believe, is restored in verse, uh, I think it's verse 27. Uh, uh, well, it's later on in this, in this very chapter. I'm not sure we read it earlier today. He's to watch. And he is to speak. And it's the duty of the people <clears throat> to listen to him when the warning comes of the enemy's approach. They are to turn from the trust of the Egyptians and the surrounding nations and to realize that the same judgment is about to befall them all by the hand of the Babylonian uh, army. God will bring judgment upon his people and all of the people 
who are in rebellion with them. Um, it is the duty of the people of God to listen to the warning of the watchman. Um, we live in a time of spiritual famine. It, we, we take for granted our, the great legacy that we have in our church of the Word of God. And we read the Word of God and we seek to apply uh, the Word of God. And more and more as I go out and about, I find out that that is, that is a rather rare occurrence these days. Uh, there's much focus on um, entertainment. There's much focus on uh, making people comfortable. Uh, there's much focus on, on elements of uh, worship that are not, uh, well, they're not elements of worship, <laughs> frankly. They're geared for um, feelings and emotions that may or may not be informed by the Word of God. The duty to listen. Listen to the warning. The warning here was the warning of becoming enemies to destroy God's people. And the warning was to not fight this enemy, but to escape to Babylon, where they would be held captive uh, for decades. It was not a pleasant message to deliver, but it was the message that Ezekiel was commissioned uh, to deliver. And if that message is faithfully communicated, uh, then they will save their life. It is, it is truly a, uh, a type of a gospel. Not to flee to Babylon, but to flee to Christ. Your only hope in this world is to flee to Christ, to take refuge in Jesus who died for sinners. There is no hope in alliances, in foreign alliances with Egypt and other nations. There is no hope in wealth. There is no hope in, in uh, familial relationships or any of the things that we hold dear. Your only hope is in the sovereign God who made everything including a way to be restored to him through his offering of his son. We know that fully now in the New Testament. Um, our tendency, as I said this morning, is always to trust in our own ability and uh, our own uh, resources are those resources that people seemingly offer that can meet our needs. We're told over and over again that all you have to do is believe in yourself and you can do anything you want. That's, that's the message of our culture. Well, the truth is we can do nothing apart from the grace of God that pleases him. Our tendency is to look for our own source of salvation. And, and sometimes it's in the very gifts that God gives us. We, get, we take our comfort from 
God's provision. We take our comfort from for his, for his provision for our families, our, our families uh, as precious as they are, a gift to us. Uh, so often the, um, the this season uh, makes us realize uh, how ambivalent so many of those relationships truly are and how unsatisfying they, they truly are in comparison to Christ. And there is a reason for that. It is... It is the duty of the preacher to make it plain that our trust should be in nothing, nothing but God and his provision for us. And that's the whole point of uh, God's judgment. It is, this is a, you know, Jay and I have remarked, and we don't mean to make light of the scripture, but uh, Ezekiel is a hard book to preach from. Because it, it's layer upon layer upon layer of God's judgment. And you repeat the same kind of judgments over and over. And, and uh, it, it becomes wearisome. But it's been a soul strengthening exercise for me. To look again at what I put my trust in. And what I tend to put my confidence in. And when I see those things stripped out of my life, as I so often do, to be reminded, I don't need any of them apart from Christ. They're blessings. They can be blessings. But if I have Christ and his righteousness, then I have everything that I need. So it's the duty for us to listen to the watchman when he warns. And in so doing, when we listen to the gospel message, we can be delivered. And on the other hand, there's the duty of the watchman. The duty of the watchman was to stay awake and to deliver, to deliver the truth. Um, if falling asleep on the watch is a capital crime in the army, how much more is it a spiritual crime to not warn of the danger that is coming? I, um, I don't venture out from our little tribe very often, uh, but when I do, I, I am often... Uh, at the lack of warning. There, there's a, there is a solemn danger that comes from not having placed your faith and trust in Christ alone. There's, there's joy unspeakable in knowing that your sins are forgiven and that you've been delivered from death and hell forever. And there's, there's actually real hope for your life if that's the case. But there's precious little emphasis on the reality of sin and your desperate need to repent and turn to put your trust in Christ alone. Our, our emphasis so often I, I see in the visible churches on, on what makes people feel good, what makes people um, get along with each other. And, and, uh, and certainly there's some... Uh, 
wonderful principles. We, we, we want to be helpful and we want to be uh, sacrificial and all those things flow from an understanding of, of, or should flow from an understanding that we are forgiven. The job of the watchman is to see danger and say danger is coming. The Babylonians are coming. They are fierce warriors. They will kill you if you do not submit to them. That was Ezekiel's job. To say the truth about what's coming. You will die if you fight them. If you resist them. You will be destroyed. The discipline of the Lord is that you go into captivity for 70 years with your families. And if you refuse the discipline of the Lord, you will be utterly destroyed along with Egypt and the surrounding nations. And this is exactly what happened. Those who listened to the warning were saved. Those who did not were destroyed. This is the message of the gospel. If you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, that he is Lord, you will be saved forever. That message is vital. And that message so often is missing. The Bible tells us that not many of us should become teachers because, because those who do will, will incur a stricter judgment. I, after uh, 40 years in the ministry, am beginning to learn what that means. Watchman's job is not, not to stand up and, and say, well, there, there's a tornado coming and you might want to get in your <laughs> No, if you hear the siren, the tornado siren, you need to get in your safe place. Because if you don't get in your safe place, you're going to be swept away forever. The dangers of life are always the same. The deceitfulness of riches, the danger of, of materialism, the danger of making idols out of God's good gifts, the, the dangers of, of substance abuse, alcohol and drugs, illicit or otherwise, the, the, the danger of, of, of the pernicious evil of pornography and, and illicit sexual activity, it covers our land. And it's so easy to be swept up in these things. But the truth is they are soul-destroying evils. And it is the duty of the watchman to say that. And to say there is hope and there is deliverance and there is forgiveness and there is mercy with the Lord. It, he is a watchman for the house of Israel. 
And yet, so many did not listen to his warning. But he was appointed to that ministry. And he was called to it. So he did it. This is the difference uh, when, when, we, when we do uh, one of the main <coughs> activities of our <coughs> regional organization is to ensure the training and ordination of men who enter the ministry. And it is a rigorous, or should be a rigorous pro process. And, and uh, one of the first things we examine is a person's, a man's personal testimony to see if they truly have a, a personal relationship with Christ and it expresses itself properly in all the uh, extenuating relationships and, and it's absolutely vital to, to the ministry. Um, but then we talk about a call, the call to ministry and there's two aspects of a call to ministry. There's the internal sense that someone wants to be involved in, in ministering uh, the Word of God and then there is the outward call, which is, which is sometimes uh, hard to uh, detect. Uh, I, the one that I've heard best explain it is, uh, is uh, Charles Spurgeon, who said about a call to ministry, if you, if you can do anything else, you should. If you can do anything else, you should. But if you're called, you must be called to tell the truth and to speak it clearly and boldly as we will see in the next chapter so many of those who are called are not true shepherds they are false shepherds that was true in Ezekiel's day it is true in our day I, in my recent visit to take care of my mother in the nursing home, dear, uh, dear uh, sainted lady, I've told this story many times, but uh, when I was 13 years old, I thought I was called to the ministry. And uh, my mother was very proud of that fact, still is, I think. Um, and mom, if you're listening, this is uh, the story I tell all the time. But Mary Alice uh, cornered me in the hallway of the nursing home that mother was working in, the same one that she was in recently, by the way, which is really strange after 40 years <laughs> being back there. But this is a different one. But, but she, her friend, my mother's uh, uh, aide that was helping her, uh, was, was went to church with Mary Alice. And so we reconnected. I was able to talk to her on the phone after 40 years. Wow. She's 94 years old. Wow. Still going strong. But I'll never forget her. My mom was saying, uh, my son's going to be a preacher. And I thought, I am? <laughs> this is what, she, shot, she took her finger, very tall woman, and, and looked down at me and said, son, you make sure you use call. Because some of the preachers weren't called, they just went. And that and that's the problem that we have. So many preachers aren't called, they just go and they have notions. And they make it all about making people happy with them. 
which is impossible, by the way. <laughs> Our job is to tell the truth and to speak it in boldness and in love. Because if we do not, there is this solemn warning that God will require it at our hands. The Apostle Paul knew this. He said he was able to say, I preach the gospel everywhere I've gone. And because of that, I'm innocent of the blood of every man. I'm sure he's drawing upon the message of Ezekiel here. We're not called to be popular. We're not called to get people to like us. We're called to tell the truth in love. And there's this great blessing because not only will you deliver though, those who hear you and listen to you, will they be delivered by the gospel? You will be delivered. That's why we preached. People ask me sometimes, was, it, was I preaching to them? And my answer is always the same. No. Whenever I write a sermon, I preach it to myself. If it happens to hit you, it's because the same thing it hit me hard. We're to warn them. This, Jesus was not sweet. Jesus was meek and mild. When he saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming, uh, and John the Baptist saw them coming to baptism, he, what did he say? He said, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath of God? He called them an adulterous, unbelieving generation. We must not think lightly of sin. We must recognize it when we are warned. We take in how many ways we break God's commandments. What is our response? Our response should be that we are without hope, except in the saving, forgiving, grace of God and that's what we preach that's what we proclaim that's what we warn to reject the message of God's mercy and the, to reject the, the, the message of his forgiving grace that all day long he calls out to the wicked come return to me and I'll forgive you and I will restore you and I will give you a new heart and I will give you the ability to walk in my commandments this brings life. We live in a culture of death. We live in a culture where the world sinks in on us and we look down at ourselves and our problems and look at things that have happened to us and, and uh, the wrongs that have been done to us and our tendency is to sink down in despair. When the truth of the gospel calls us to live far above that, and the joy of the victory that Christ has won for us. I don't, uh, the, the uh, message of the Bible is a very happy ending for God, his son, and his people. The, the dragon is destroyed, just like the dragon of of Egypt was destroyed, the great crocodile.
crocodile was fished out of the Nile and left to bloat and rot and be eaten by the wild animals and birds. That's how the Bible ends, with the dragon being destroyed and thrown into the bottomless pit. And the people of God being victorious and shouting songs of joy forever at the victory that has been won. Amen. Praise God mm -hmm. that Jesus has won that victory for us. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you know tonight that he has won it for you? And if you do, don't be sad. Don't be depressed. Don't look down. Look up to heaven with joy that he has slayed the dragon. And that because of that, you will live in the glory of heaven forever. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the watchman, Ezekiel. Thank you for the faithful watchman who preach your word and tell the truth without compromise. May, may it be so always from this pulpit. May it be so always from your church's pulpits to proclaim this glorious good news. And we do thank you for your word. And may it transform us from what we are now to what we ought to be in Christ. And be pleased through it if there are those who have yet to put their full faith and confidence in the forgiveness of sins that comes through the death of Christ and his resurrection, may, may that happen even in this moment. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.